How's it going today, guys? Back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. I'm your host, Thomas Penland, joined once again by Ben Gorewood. Ben, say what's up to the people. Going on, everyone. Eastern Conference Finals game one tonight. Yes, sir. Massive game tonight for the Hawks. Very excited for that. Hopefully, we find a way to, pu- to pull this one out tonight. Um, also, too, I want to go ahead and say this. Last night was one hell of a game, one hell of a finish. DeAndre Ayton catching the alley-oop at the buzzer to put that one away. I mean, it's been a great playoff so far. Enjoyed watching every single second of it. Um, also, last night, though, before this great game, there was something else that happened that was massive for the NBA, and that was the NBA draft lottery. Um, so your lottery currently stands at the 14th pick is Golden State, 13 Indiana, 12 San Antonio, 11 Charlotte, 10 New Orleans, 9 Sacramento, Eight um, Chicago or Orlando gets it from Chicago. Seven Minnesota has to give it up to Golden State. Six is Oklahoma City. Five Orlando. Four is Toronto. Three Cleveland. Two Houston. Number one Detroit. Um, I mean Ben, we got to talk talk about it from the top, man. I think that things for once actually look up here for the Pistons. The Pistons are going to get the franchise player, the best player of the entire draft, Kate Cunningham. And now all of a sudden, Sadiq Bay and uh, Killian Hayes and Isaiah Stewart, already Jeremy Grant, already kind of, you know, like a not bad roster, definitely missing a superstar. They get their superstar to add. Yeah, great for the city of Detroit. Maybe not so great for Kate Cunningham, who's going, <laughs> to the city that, going to the city that destroys dreams. I mean, I, I've mentioned this to you multiple times like about Jared Goff and I don't mean to switch to football but like you're not going to hear Jared Goff's name for the rest of his career if he stays in Detroit like it's just like the Lions don't do anything the the Red Wings don't do anything in hockey the Pistons don't do anything in basketball so um, I agree with you that they have a couple nice young pieces I think they just need to kind of bring it all together and you know what to be honest with you there's not a better prospect in this draft or kind of in recent drafts that you could grab other than Cade Cunningham who I think he's kind of just the unanimous number one pick now like he's the guy because he because he can shoot it he can uh, uh, he's got good vision he can pass it pretty well he can run the floor and run an offense pretty well so he's gonna have to be not only the franchise player but kind of the glue guy that brings everyone together and there's not a better prospect to put that much pressure on anyone's shoulders other than this kid, Kate Cunningham. No, I agree with you completely. And look, this is an absolute stack draft. This is, this is a chance to go down as one of the most stacked drafts in NBA history. Obviously it's going to have tough drafts to live up to like the LeBron Wade, Bosch mellow draft, or the, you know, the Luca trade draft. Those will go down. Those are some of the most stacked draft classes ever. I know there's some historical ones too. I can't think of from a long, long time ago, but you know, Cade Cunningham, the thing I think that makes that makes me know he's such a surefire process or prospect is the most NBA like comparable team you're going to play against was Baylor. And he probably played one of his best games he played against Baylor, you know? So that's how I know that. And also, you know, Cade Cunningham, you know, he shows up bigger in the big moments. So that's why I like yeah. him going in there at number one. So funny thing I actually heard a couple people mention was, you know, what if the, you know, like a team like, um, let's say for example, Oklahoma city, you know, they want to try to combine number six and like a bunch of future picks. What if the Oklahoma city were to offer like six, like five picks to Detroit for number one, or what if, you know, golden state offers you James Wiseman, the seven and the, and, you know, the 14, you know, there's some hypothetical trades that could go there. I still think there's absolutely no way that you would pass up, pass up here with Cade Cunningham. I mean, Cade Cunningham is literally like, he's like a Zion type prospect, you know, he's was more general. I think he's a generational talent. 
But like I said, he could do everything. He's got great size. So um, I think it's pretty much him and then the rest of the class. I think, like you said, the draft class is stacked, but it's been pretty unanimous since this kid was in high school that he was the number one prospect. Yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt about that. Um, how about Houston? You know, Houston goes from a lost season where you lose James Harden. They get lucky and fall in here and get this number two pick. I mean, Houston absolutely lucked out. Um, so do you think Houston, I mean, they already have Christian Wood. Do you think they draft Evan Mobley and put him down low or did they go with Jalen Suggs? So I don't really, uh, I think you and I might kind of disagree on this, but we'll get into this a little bit more in detail when we eventually do our mock drafts. Uh-huh. So I don't think picking Mobley would be a bad pick, um, especially looking at DeAndre Ayton and kind of what he's doing right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to me, Houston needs a go-to scorer. Like, they don't really have a guy that you could say, get us a bucket right now. What about Kevin Porter so, Jr.? I mean, I, I don't think he's anything great to be like a franchise player, do you? I think he has a chance. You know, he was really hyped up coming out of college, going to USC. I mean, he performed well at USC. He got in some trouble there. He got in some trouble in the pre-draft. He got in trouble when he was in Cleveland. I mean, they did give his locker away, though, to Torian Prince, you know. So, definitely can't blame him for being mad. But, I mean, he was exploding at the end of the season. I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's going to be, like, a superstar. But, I mean, they do have a versatile guard who can run in the offense for them. And they still do have John Wall. I just think a guy like Jalen Suggs or Jalen Green is a better pick for them than Mobley just because those two guys can handle the ball uh, more than Porter Jr. can to kind of run an offense. Both those guys true. can. And they're, they're go-to scorers, man. We saw what Jalen Suggs could do really at any point in time in college basketball. He pretty much dictated when he wanted to score, where he mm-hmm. wanted to go with the ball. Um, and Jalen Green obviously was a top prospect out of high school decided to go to the – D league to uh, get paid and play. And I mean, I think he kind of held his own. I forget his stats, but I think he averaged around like 15, 17 points. So I I just think they need a go-to score more than this league needs another big man, just because the league does kind of go small and you can play Christian Wood at the five kind of depending on the team you play against. But listen, they're not going to be good right away. They're a couple of years away from rebuilding this team. It's pretty hard. You can't just rebuild in one year when you lose at James Harden. Uh, especially when you lose a Chris Paul and everyone they lost the year before that. So to me, I, I would go with a go-to score, but I don't think picking Mobley is a bad pick. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that one. I mean, there's definitely good go-to scores. I just feel like in this era of the NBA, there's so few big men like Mobley is. And I feel like Mobley is – see, I would like the Rockets roster with Mobley and with um, – and, and with already having Christian Wood as the big man, just because I feel like, you know, we've seen the trend in the NBA. You got to do something different at the end of the day in order to win a championship and separate yourself. I feel like Christian Wood and Mobley would give you like two versatile big men that can shoot the three, that can guard wings, you know, and still protect the rim for you, which I think could be kind of a way, you know, to have kind of a mismatch lineup. I think guys like that are really unfair. And there's honestly not a lot of them in the draft. You know, like we were just saying, like Jonathan Kamanga, you know, he's kind of like a winger, like swing man, like a Paul George kind of. And then you got Jalen Green, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, you know, that's literally all guards. And you just keep thinking about the other guys, Davion, Mitchell you know you keep going down the list of all the best prospects in this draft class and it's all guards that's why I like going with them but to be honest with you as long as they take any of those first three guys we mentioned Suggs um, Jalen Green and Evan Mobley they really don't make a bad a bad pick here which is how awesome this draft class is I don't I couldn't name like who I couldn't tell you who the second best center prospect is in this draft is it the 
It might be the guy from Western Kentucky who was a five-star out of high school. I'm looking at it now. There's a guy from Turkey. I couldn't tell you anything about him. Yeah, I don't know anything about uh, him. I, I mean, nope. I'm not going to put Luca Garza. Like, Luca Garza is not. Yeah. People are high about on Franz Wag- Wagner or Wagner. I'm not that high on Franz yeah, personally. So that, uh, sorry, I, did, I couldn't hear you. You were lagging. I didn't even realize you were still going. What were you saying? I was saying, like, I, I couldn't tell you who the second or third best prospect for center is. I was saying, I don't think Luca Garza is going in the first round. And if mm-hmm. the team wants to take him, be my guest because good luck with that. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. I think Luca Garza is like a decent guy to draft to be like, you know, be like your seventh eight. Like, I don't think he'd be a bad pick for like a playoff team, you know, to come off the bench and add a little bit of scoring for you. But I mean, he's definitely not going to be able to defend in the NBA, which is really going to hurt him. But he just reminds me of like a Frank Kaminsky. Yeah, no, I agree. See, I agree with you 100% on that. He reminds me of the exact same thing. Also, too, I know people are really high on Franz Wagner. I'm not crazy high on him either. I really think Evan Mobley's about it for um, for backcourt players. I think it's mostly frontcourt-dominated draft. Um, how? So the Cavs here at three, if you're the Cavs, would you use the pick and draft another guard because you already have Sexton or and um, you already have uh, Garland, or would you Garland. trade out and acquire more assets? Because think about this. You know, you could trade with, um, let's say, for example, you could trade with Orlando, who's got two first-round picks up here, or you could trade with Golden State and say, you know, give us Wiseman and one of those picks or give us both those picks, and you can have, trade up. So first first things first, they need to figure out what they want with Sexton. Do they want to keep him? Do they not want to keep him? Because there's been kind of rumors going around about mm-hmm. some teammates that may not like him, some of the front office people. Uh, I, I don't think they know how to how to grade Sexton yet. He's been their best player since he's been there. Yeah. Um, I mean, listen, they need a big man more than they need a guard. Like you mentioned, they have uh, Sexton Garland, who I think can be a pretty good backcourt one day. They're both very good at scoring. The, um, um, Garland is more of a, more of a combo guard than Sexton. Sexton might be a better pure scorer. So if they keep both of them, then I think you have your backcourt in the future. Listen, if, if Evan Mobley doesn't go two, I would keep the pick. If Evan Mobley goes number two, then I would mm-hmm. trade back because I don't think there's another like wing player or guard that immediately makes them better for what they need. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So if they keep their pick and Mobley's not available, then I, you have to go with the two-way wing. You have to get better at defense. Um, and, and you know what? I, I would If they keep their pick, I would maybe choose Jonathan Kamanga. He's a good two-way player to match up with uh, Isaac Okora, who they drafted mm-hmm. on Auburn last year. Okora came on later in the season and plays great defense for them. Listen, you you know how in the NFL um, teams are trying to – like the, the successful teams try to build inside-out, offensive line out? Yeah. it's With the NBA, man, build your defense. The offense will always – these guys can all score coming into the NBA. They, they can all score nowadays, right? Build a good defense and work around your offense, and I think you can be a better team and more competitive a lot quicker versus drafting just skill players and trying to teach them defense. That That's just my opinion. When you're a team like the Cavs who haven't – I don't want to say they haven't been in the playoffs in a while because they obviously won the championship, but that was with LeBron. So like they're looking post-LeBron at a long playoff drought right now. And I think they should start by getting a lot of defensive help because I think the offense can always come. Yeah, no, I mean, imagine if they trade back and they're able to acquire, you know, like 
Jonathan Kamanga at that, or actually, I guess they would, yeah, they would be able to probably get him at that fifth pick. And then they could, you know, also get another winger with that eight pick as well from Orlando to throw them in there with Isaac Okoro. To be honest with you, though, if I'm the Cavs, I'm drafting Jalen Suggs or Jalen Green or Evan Mobley. I'm drafting any of those guys, and I'm packing Darius Garland's bags for him and tell him to get the hell out of town. <laughs> Look, in the NBA, we've seen you can play with two playmaking guards together. I think it's the best recipe for success. Darius Garland's shown me nothing in his NBA career. He was injured while he was in college. To be honest with you, I don't even think the Cavs know what they're getting from Darius Garland. Also, I feel like, you know, in this situation, you have a chance to get a potential, you know, all-star superstar guard in there with a guy that we already know can score the ball at an all-star pace with um, with Colin Sexton coming off a 24 points point uh, per game season. I feel like it's a no-brainer here you go as one of the guards and pair him with him and pack Darius Garland's bags and send him packing. I mean, I don't know what his trade value is or anything, but I would get him the hell out of town. I feel like that you have a chance here to uh, to have one of the best back scoring backcourts in the NBA. You know, that'd be one of the best offensive backcourts in the league. So I think Suggs would fit better for that description than Jalen Green because he's more of a ball handling yeah. guard more than I mean Green can create his own shot, but Suggs is like a true point guard to me. Yeah. Um, you know, great handles, great quickness, can do everything. I think Green, I see more of Green as just like a pure scorer, just a guy mm-hmm. that knows Suggs is very good at setting up his teammates, using the pick and roll, this and that. So, so I think Suggs and Sexton would be a better matchup, but you can't go wrong. No, I agree with you completely. Um, you know who's the luckiest team this entire draft? Yeah, the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about Toronto's team now. I've heard a lot of rumors, you know, maybe trade for Ben Simmons if you're the Raptors. I don't hate it. The, one of the mock trades, you know, was maybe the Raptors send out Chris Boucher and Kyle Lowry to or Boucher and then return. You know, they get Ben Simmons. Imagine if you're Ben Simmons, Siakam, and then you use this pick here. And, you I mean, you could take and Kamaga. But you take one of the point guards, yeah, and then you have Van Fleet. I mean, just think about that roster. I mean, you could play with – you could use Siakam and Ben Simmons as, like, your centers and then use, like, Van Vliet. Like, you could run some crazy freaking lineups with, like, the type of team that they would that they're going to have after this draft. I mean, the Raptors got so freaking lucky. I, I kind of wish, you know, the Raptors got, like, a top three pick or even they got the first pick. I wanted to see the Raptors just get crazy stacked. championship four the last because I feel like a lot of options to go with. Um, can, you, can you say that again, Ben? I couldn't really hear you. You're breaking up a lot. Yeah. I was saying that I think the Raptors are obviously in a good position because they could do really anything they want. They're mm-hmm. a great trading position great trade value at the number four pick and they already have the championship coach and nurse that I, I think them getting the fourth pick here really halts their kind of rebuild that they were going to maybe go through pretty I mean it kind of halts it in place because if you want to trade you can stay good right away yeah. and if you want to draft a young guy you draft a young guy and you might be good there now I need to see more from Siakam to be honest with you if he's if him and Van Vliet are going to be the two main guys like I, I don't think there's anything too special about – I think they're both good players, but there's nothing special about them. Like, he doesn't have – that as your main duo does not tell me Eastern Conference Finals. 
No, see, I feel like the Raptors, though, are in a good situation because they already have two number two. They have a number two and a number three already. Van Vliet's your number two. Siakam's your number three. Now you get a chance to bring in your number one here with one of these rookies. So mm-hmm. I feel like the Raptors. But I don't know, think I don't think bringing in a guy like Ben Simmons makes them that much better because he's not a true number one. No, see, I see. I do. Core. I agree with agree with you on that part, though. I don't like. I personally don't like the trade to bring in Ben Simmons. I'd rather keep the roster the way it is. Ben Simmons is a very big project, and he showed a lot of things I did not like to see in the playoffs, you know, and I've heard a lot of different things about him too that just makes me like him even less. So definitely not, would not be a fan of that move either. Um, Magic now have two first-round picks. Um, Not too much to say there with them. Golden State, or actually, first let's talk about Oklahoma City. Do you think Oklahoma City is going to try to trade, offer just like a ton of picks to try to trade up? Or, I mean, what are they going to do? Because, I mean, we saw with the Celtics where it backfires, where you just have all these picks, you know, and you keep rolling them over and rolling them over and you keep using them and whatnot. We've seen that that strategy is not really going to work. I mean, what are they going to do to try to cash in on these picks? I think they're going to have a hybrid strategy. I think you definitely have to draft some young guys just to build a roster, build a mm-hmm. build a culture of how you want. But I don't think they're going to use all 16 picks over the next five years or whatever the number is that they have yeah. they're not going to use all those picks um, I, I expect them to use their first round pick this year to get a guy to kind of build around to go with SGA and to go uh, who are their cornerstones right now other than Gilgis Alexander I guess Dort had a pretty good year Um, I would say it's SGA it's uh, Puyashevsky and then I would say Dort are probably the only guys that are for sure going to stick around with the roster. I mean, technically Kimball Walker since they have him. Yeah, I, I think they need to get kind of a like one or two cornerstone guys that they're going to want to build around. Kind of like how the Hawks drafted, uh, was it Trey Young and Herter in the same draft? Yeah, they did. Yeah, so I think you got to get two guys that you want to build around. And then you can kind of trade some picks to get more veteran Um leadership to kind of mentor those guys and to play with them and around them. Mm-hmm. That's how I would do it. No, I agree with you completely on that. I feel like if it, I'm Oklahoma city, I go ahead and use my pick in this draft. I mean, obviously if I'm Oklahoma city, I'm going to take five or six of those picks and I'm going to try, you know, to trade with Detroit, trade with Cleveland, trade with Houston, trade with Toronto. You know, I'm going to try to trade with any of those teams, even Orlando, you know, try to get one of those five guys. They're sitting there at six, you know, I'm going to try to do what I can to make some offers and acquire some assets. You know, if you're, if you're sold on one of those guys, at least you're still there. I'm going to try to do what I can to move up. But at the same time, at the end of the day, if you can't move up, you know what you do is you just keep staying on the same trajectory path and you take the best of available players there and just keep building with the roster. But I do believe that there's going to be a certain point in time where the OKC packages together, you know, kind of like the Hawks did to get DeAndre Hunter. They were like, all right, this is the final guy we need to fill out our roster. I mean, Sam Presti's got to be the smartest, probably the best move-making move GM in the NBA. He's going to figure out a way to make some sort of move. I, I mean – I wouldn't even be shocked to see Cleveland trade with them, you know, because Cleveland could say we're a ways away and we want to keep building, you know, shit. Maybe they could trade Sexton for that number six pick from Oklahoma city, you know, like you said, so there's a lot of moving parts there. Um, Let's talk, let's talk about golden state though. First off, Minnesota got so unfortunate. Minnesota had one of the worst records in the league all season long. I mean, they could have potentially gotten a fr- one more franchise player to throw in there with Cat, D'Lo, and Edwards and been all good to go from here. But instead, they don't even get a first-round pick now. I mean, I still don't think they're a playoff team. So this trade is really going to backfire in their faces here. Um, but if you're Golden State, Ben, what are you going to try to do with the pick? Do you use these picks? Do you try to trade the picks and trade Wiseman? What, what do you think? So 
First, let me just touch on the Timberwolves real quick. They have four pretty good offensive players already. Mm-hmm. And I'm very interested to see what a full year with all these guys does for them because they have Carl Anthony Towns, they have D'Angelo Russell, they have Anthony Edwards, which was very good as rookie season, and they have um, um, Beasley. What's Beasley? Malik Beasley. He was a good shooter yeah. from the outset. So they have the offense. Their problem is defense, man. So they, they got to figure out a way to get better on defense. Um, to Golden State, I would. I would try and keep Wiseman as much as you can, but I would try and trade like a Wiggins, Oubre, some of their role players, and a pick to try and get more of a veteran in there to play on the wing to go alongside because I, I don't think Oubre and Wiggins are good enough to push this team to a championship-level team, even with Clay Thompson, Curry, and uh, Draymond all playing together. They need a little help defensively. I don't think Wiggins and Oubre get you there, but I think Wiseman definitely helps with the inside presence because him and Draymond, can really take advantage of a team uh, inside. Draymond plays well perimeter defense. Draymond can guard anyone one through five. Wiseman's a pretty good shot blocker. So I think if they can keep him, I would try and upgrade the wing positions if I was them. Yeah. Um, I I personally think – so first off, Ubre will be a free agent. I doubt they're going to re-sign him. But, um, you know – Yeah, here, doubt sitting, that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He didn't. He did not mesh well with this team. So me personally, looking at this situation, if I'm Golden State, I look at it two ways. The first thing I do is if you really think you can try to trade up and get one of these guys, maybe you do it if you're Golden State. If there's somebody you want to trade up and get, I doubt it personally. I would probably use the pick where it at where it's at. Now, also too, you can look at it as we might need to trade for an established player here. You know, I would definitely shop around, see what's available. If obviously you can get the right pick you want, I would do it. It wouldn't look at it as one of the situations where we're wasting Steph Curry's time. We have to make a move. I still think Wiseman has a ton of potential and good basketball left in him. I just think yes, here he wasn't ready yet. You know, he definitely looks like he hadn't played basketball in a while. I also think that there's a one perfect pick for Golden State to take it seven. You know who it is? Who is it? Davion Mitchell. I think it's a no-brainer they take Davion Mitchell with this pick. I think him coming off the bench with his scoring, playmaking, and defense is exactly what you need. Then at the end of the game, you can you know throw him in there as your third guy on the floor. Obviously, he's a little undersized, but still, though, in this NBA era, with the way that he's able to sh- able to shoot the ball and make plays and the way he moves, I feel like he's the next Donovan Mitchell. And if you throw that kind of versatile scoring and defense into, onto this team in the second unit and in the first unit some, I think that he's a total game-changer for them. Who did I – I texted you someone that he reminds me of. I think you said Donovan um, Mitchell. Oh, I said Marcus Smart. I could see that one too. I, said, I, I mean, if he's Marcus yeah. Smart, that's still one hell of an ad, you know. I think that's the perfect guy for them. Yeah. I mean, I, I think kind of somewhere between a Marcus Smart and a Donovan Mitchell is what he can be. And I'm not mm. saying that's what he's going to be, but I do think his potential kind of sits in that realm of players. Um you know, I don't know. I think okay, there's a lot of teams that can go in a variety of different kind of directions, and there's multiple directions that I think would benefit them. Yeah. Um, if if I was Golden State, because you're in like win now mode for the next, I don't know, four or five years at least. I, I don't know how long like they're going to keep Draymond. I don't know how much longer Draymond could play at a high level. Yeah. Um, I don't know about Clay's health. I mean, unfortunately, he's been hurt back to back years. I don't know if that has sped up his retirement clock. I mean, a guy like him and guys like Curry 
Uh, and Steph can really play for a long time. Absolutely. If you can shoot it, you can play for a long, long time. So I think health is, is kind of the thing that the Warriors, I mean, like they're in win now mode. So I don't know if drafting a rookie pushes mm. them back to the top while other teams are kind of makeshifting, bringing in superstars when they were just kind of waiting for Clay to get healthy. So I think the number one option for the Warriors should be grab an NBA ready player that's already. You know, he's, he's NBA ready. He he knows how to play in the NBA. And then whatever his role is, obviously, depends on the type of guy you get. That's how he can help Golden State kind of push it to the next level. Because let me tell you this. If Clay comes back and he's healthy, I'm not saying he has to be like Clay Thompson of old, but if he's healthy, him and, I mean, the Splash Brothers are back. It's, it's the best backcourt in basketball with no one even comparing to them, mm-hmm. just like it used to be. You have Draymond, who's a very good defender and very good chemistry with those two guys, a very good passer. So you don't need a ton of offense, but you need some help defensively because I don't know if Clay is going to be 100% for an entire season. So I think a perimeter defender type of guy, like a 3 and D guy, a 3 and D guy is what they should be looking for. Um, But it better be someone good if if you're giving up the seventh pick. Now that I agree with you completely on. Um, ultimately, I would say off the draft lottery, just my general takeaway from it is that the total losers of the draft lottery, definitely I'm going to have to give the give it up to OKC just because, you know, they're in full-on tank mode and they didn't somehow have any other 50 million picks falling inside the top, the top uh, five. Um, and then I'm also going to have to – I'm also going to – yeah, Minnesota because, you know, Minnesota is still – Let's put it this way. If whatever the odds are in Minnesota missing the playoffs, I'm definitely taking it because even if they get in the top 10, that's still not considered making the playoffs. So them getting the top eight is just simply not happening. I don't think Minnesota will get there again. They don't have the veteran leadership or discipline to get in there. Um, Houston is honestly, in my opinion, the biggest winner of all of this because they in a season where you lose James Harden and your pick is on, I think it's either top four or top five protected to OKC. The fact that you're going to keep your pick and now you're going to get a franchise changing player. I mean, it's say, huge. yeah, it, it feels like Houston never really like sucks. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like Houston always like somehow, you know, has like a decently competitive team. And then somehow they always manage, like, like they were able to trade for James Harden. You know what I mean? Like they were able to make that trade happen with OKC to get James Harden. And then the next thing, you know, they're able to get Dwight Howard. Like, it feels like Houston every like once they transition from T-Mac, it feels like, boom, then they get James Harden, you know, and then they get all those James Harden, your teams. Now it's like, boom, now they're going to get either Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, or, or uh, Jalen Suggs, you know, so it's it's crazy for that. Um, also, too, I feel like, you know, like we touched on earlier, Toronto's a massive winner, but I really think Golden yeah. State, you know, has a chance, though, to have the uh, biggest impact. really spring your rebuild for if you don't get where you're supposed to get. No, absolutely. You keep, I don't know why, but you keep lagging for some reason. Like I can't hear you when you first start talking, but yeah, the, that's really the thing, you know, like with your, with these lot, with the lottery and everything, you know, is like, it really depends on where you get these picks. Like take, take for example, like Orlando, Orlando hasn't gotten the number one pick and it feels like they're in the lottery every freaking year, you know, like it feels like they can't really get lucky. How about the Knicks? Yeah, the Knicks too. How about the Knicks? Yeah, that's part of what makes me think the lottery is not rigged is because the Knicks, you know, could never get in there. It did. I will say this. The fact the Cavs are able to get the number one pick so many times, 
did feel a tiny bit rigged, but at the same time, I feel like the NBA is not rigged because if it was rigged by now, they would have given the Knicks the top pick. Would you not agree? They wouldn't rig it for Cleveland, Ohio. Exactly. Like, I mean, even though as much as we want to see LeBron get a ring, they would not, if they would rig it for them. I mean, the Lakers, I will say that they did give the Lakers a, a top pick a number of times in those drafts, but still though, like if it was rigged, the Knicks would not keep getting screwed. It was kind of funny, actually. My, uh, Steven called me earlier today about basketball, telling me whatever he had to say, but I told him, I was like, doesn't it feel weird last night to not be waiting to see where your team gets called this year? And he was like, yeah. I was like, would you rather made the playoffs or would you have rather been been one of the top th- top five teams in the lottery this year? He said, make the playoffs. And I told him to stop lying. <laughs> I, th- I think it's always better to make the playoffs than be in the lottery. I, you don't want to lose. So not I get what he's saying. I, I just – I mean, these guys are – there's no guarantee that anyone's good. Making the playoffs means you actually have a good team. Yeah. And the Knicks now have something to build on. Now, it, it listen, it's going to come down to can the Knicks get a free agent because I don't think a roster is like that far off from being yeah. competitive and good. I mean, they, they just made the playoffs. I get that they lose, lost in the first round, but they just made the playoffs with Julius Randle as their best player. And I'm, that's, that's no knock on Julius Randle. He just had a career year. He was unbelievable in the regular season. But if you can move Julius Randle to your second best player and RJ Barrett as your third best player, I think you actually have a competitive squad there. And Mm -hmm. listen, we said this for years now, and it's still true. The Knicks are one free agent away from being very competitive. And that's true. Yeah, I think unfortunately for the Knicks, I think things will stay that way for a long time where they're one free agent away from being very competitive. Um, I think that's pretty much my my thought my final thoughts I got on the lottery. Anything else you want to add? Oh, um, I mean, not really. I, I just think we need. I, I I don't think there needs to be many gambles in the draft. I think teams need to realize what they need and go get the best available player for what your need is like, don't reach for someone. Like I think it should be fairly chalkish to be honest with you. And I think it should be that way. You know what I'm trying to say? Like if, if you're the, like, for instance, if you're the, um, I don't want to choose a team in the top three, but like if you're the Pelicans at 10, right. It's pretty obvious what the Pelicans need. Like they need shooting around Zion and for, damn sure they need defense so go get a wing that plays defense and shooting like don't go don't i saw a mock draft that had them drafting like trey man trey man was a great three-point shooter in college i think he shot like 40 yeah. percent is he gonna play any defense for you because he's a smaller guard so just drafting a guard that can shoot threes it that doesn't help you the pelicans were the worst defensive team maybe in nba history they were their overs were hitting so frequently, it was the easiest bet to hit was just take the Pelicans yeah. over. I don't care what the number is, just take it. So, listen, you got a franchise player in Zion. There's rumors that his family, you know how I feel about that, may not be happy. So draft stars around him and get a coach that can actually do something. Sam yeah. Van Gundy was not a good hire. He was a good coach like eight years ago. No, I agree with you completely on that. Um, 
Last thing I'm going to say is the guy who I think has the the two guy the guy who I think has the potential that's going to fall down the draft board is Sharif Cooper. I feel like he's going to be a good player and he's going to fall down the draft board. Might even fall to the lottery. Also, to Scotty Barnes, if I'm OKC, that's who I'm going for is, is him. I feel like he's the perfect guy to come in there and switch things up. I feel like Scotty Barnes has like the most potential to be the guy that's drafted outside of the top five that's going to pop. See, I mean, listen, you know how I feel about Scotty Barnes. Um, I was pretty much somewhat of a Florida State basketball fan, especially in the tournament, just because yeah. of Scotty Barnes. I think his game is tremendous. I think it fits the NBA very, very well. Um, a guy that I'm kind of going to throw out there is I think Jalen Johnson is going to have a better NBA, a much better NBA career than what he showed at Duke. I, something I just wasn't clicking. Something wasn't clicking for him at Duke, and then there was a feud with Coach K, and he got benched for a little bit. Whatever it was, the dude is very, very talented. So I think he's got a he's got a really good chance to kind of be better than what he showed at Duke because he didn't get to show his full arsenal just because mm-hmm. he didn't play for a couple of games, then he was injured. He just had a lot going on at Duke. I think kids like that, they just want a ball. No distractions in the NBA unless you make them yourself. Um, I think if he goes to a right team, I think he's the type of guy that could fall out of like the top five, top eight maybe. But I think if he goes to a, a team that's good for him, I, I'm not going to compare him to a Michael Porter Jr. because that's not the same player but a type of guy that is a top five, top 10 talent mm-hmm. that won't go into top five or top 10, but I think he could be very good for a team. Yeah, I agree with you completely on that one. I think I think changing up to the NBA will be good for him. Also, too, on a, we need to soon on, soon on a podcast, me and Ben need to go into what's going on in college basketball and whatnot with these coaches and with everything going on over there. There's a whole lot going on, but I know if we go down that path, it's going to be in a good 30 to 45 more minutes. So don't want to make If you do, if you do want to read about it for the people listening, I, I highly recommend just following Jay Billis on Twitter, puts out a lot of articles, a lot of his own opinions on it. You don't have to agree with his opinion, but I do think he provides the facts for everyone. And that's just my opinion. I mean, that's just my, uh, that's just what I like to read. I think he provides the facts and allows you to kind of form an opinion on your own based yeah. on the facts. So I think Jay Billis speaks very well. I think he's a good ambassador of the college basketball game. And he's he's also on the NBA draft night uh, when they do Ooh. the draft. He's a guy breaking down um, how the pick is, how he likes it, and stuff like that. So his voice is always around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, last thing I'm going to say before we get up out of here, Ben, is you've been uh, researching any college football yet. Not too much, to be honest with you, but I, I bet I could have an opinion on whatever you ask me. No, I wasn't going to ask you anything. I was just wondering if you started your research yet. I have not started mine. I'm waiting until probably till the NBA season's off, and then I'm going to cram. Right. All right, guys. Well, we'll get, let Ben go. We'll get up out of here, but I appreciate everyone who tuned in today. Um, trust me, we'll have much more coming for you all in the NBA draft and everything, much more coming for you all in the NBA playoffs, much more coming for you all and everything going on in the sports world. We'll see you guys soon.